You're listening to the Volleyball by Design podcast. Today, we're going to talk about some creative things you can do with your offense to catch your defense off guard. And there are things that aren't really being practiced right now, but there are things that I think we're going to see more in the future um, as the game continues to evolve. So it's an episode you don't want to miss. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Coach Brian Singh, and after a number of years coaching competitive volleyball and as the head coach of the biggest college in Canada, I've become obsessed with helping coaches improve their knowledge and skills of the game by teaching them how to coach efficiently and effectively to ultimately reach their volleyball goals. I created the Volleyball by Design podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies so you can get clarity and apply what you learn right away. This is the Volleyball by Design podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 132 of the Volleyball by Design podcast. How is everyone doing out there today? Another week of volleyball, but before we get into the episode, just want to wish everyone a happy holidays, Merry Christmas, whatever you're celebrating. Uh, Happy Boxing Day as you listen to this today on a Monday, but (laughs) hope you guys had a relaxful and you know stress-free and good people good food good friends good family whatever the case is however you celebrate hope you guys had a great time and uh yeah uh with me you know we got gifts in the morning with the kids then we go to my wife's parents then we go to my parents and then that is our day so that's been typically how we've done it over the last little bit so however you celebrate yours, you know, hope you guys had a great time. Uh, for those of you new listeners, welcome to the pod. My name is Coach Brian Singh, and I'm the host of the podcast. And for my regular listeners, as always, you know how much I appreciate you tuning in. Thank you so much for being here. We got another good one for you today. <coughs> I have to apologize. I did. I have lost my voice a little bit. Um, so I may uh, have to take a drink of water as this episode goes along, but hopefully I'm okay. <clears throat> you know, I had uh, with... With all the festivities and everything happening, you know, sometimes you lose your voice. You know, it is what it is. But that doesn't mean that another episode cannot be dropped. You know, I, I've missed one episode in two and a half years, and I don't intend to, to miss a second one. So <clears throat> we're going to get through it. But today's episode was actually sparked by my time in Omaha a few weeks ago when I was at the ABCA uh, Coaches Convention. And, it, you know, when I was down there, Last week's episode, I talked about the you know the national championship, and I was actually in my in my hotel room when I was recording that episode, and I learned a lot of different things from the women's you know division one game, because you know I, as a men's coach, the men's game and women's game is quite different in in a lot of in a lot of aspects, but it was cool to see you know the women's game at the highest level and see the differences, and at this convention, um, I attended a, a lot of different sessions by a lot of fantastic coaches. And there was one particular coach that I think I took the most away from um, because he, th- he was talking about things that I've been experimenting with, but I've never, <coughs> excuse me, actually seen another coach uh, take it to the level that he's taken to. And that's uh, Sheldon Collier and uh, not Sheldon, but Shelton rather, I apologize. And Shelton actually is retiring this year. Uh, he is at, he, well, he was at Wingate University and he's retiring this year and he got inducted to the ABCA uh, Coaches Hall of Fame as well, which is amazing. So if anyone knows him or if he's listening to this, congratulations, coach. Amazing career. Uh, this guy, like when I was looking him up, he had a overall winning percentage of 0.793. That is incredible. He had 1,150 wins and 301 losses over his career, his 41-year coaching career. I mean, that is, 
That's got to be some kind of record. That's incredible. It is very, very rare to have a winning record, a t- like a career winning record of .793. So congratulations to Coach. That's unreal. But with his uh, his demonstration, it you know it, it made me think about the stuff that we're doing in our gym and stuff that we're you know experimenting with. But you know the, he took it to a whole other level, and I want to talk about that today. And I think we could take some things away from this. Now, if you are a, you know, if you're a 12U, 13U coach, you're you're probably not going to want to do a lot of the things I'm talking about. Maybe one or two, but nevertheless, it's still you know it's still a good idea to listen and and take some notes because you may actually get to use some of this as they get older. And hey, you might be able to use you know at least one of them now, depending on uh, the, so the strategy that works for you. So we're going to talk about this and. Also, I want to. Um, I also want to mention episode 102. Episode 102 is also a good episode to listen to. It kind of goes hand in hand with this. Episode 102 is where I broke down offense. Um, the, the the title of the episode is called "Strengths on How to Be Creative with Your Offense," and I basically talked about you know different systems and you know combos and rallies and offensive plays and hitting lanes and a lot of offensive principles and things like that. So it was more of a of a basic you know overall offensive episode. This one's a little bit different. This one's I think more revolutionary, if you want to call it. It's more stuff that you don't really see a lot in our game, but you are seeing some teams start to implement some of these things. So let's talk about it. So the first thing that I thought was really interesting was, and I, and I completely got this from, from Coach, because when the setter takes the first ball, typically what happens uh, well, I can tell you there's a lot of things that happen. Normally, when the setter takes the first ball, and let me let me back up. What do I mean by the setter take the first ball? If the ball is coming from the other side of the court, whether it's a free ball, whether their other team is purposely tipping to the setter, or it's in a scrambled situation and they're just trying to get the ball over the net, and the, the best place normally to put a ball over the net is to the setter. Because if the setter takes the first contact, well, then who's going to be the secondary ball to set it? Like, who's going to have the secondary ball? It's normally going to be someone who's not a setter who will probably not be able to get, you know, all four hitters involved and things like that just by the nature of it. So normally, when the setter gets the first ball, it either goes to the libero to make the secondary set or it goes to the front court player in position two and then they are going to make the set. Depending on the level you play, the style of play, normally, you know, more more so than any, it's the libero who gets the ball, and he's the one or she's the one that makes the secondary set. Because, one, the libero is the only player that can't attack, and two, they generally have the second best ball control. So that's a very common one, and, and normally when the libero gets the second ball, they're going to set either the left side or the opposite hitter. Now, sometimes, you know, I see a lot of high school teams do this. Is they'll... They'll pa- they'll take the when the setter takes the first ball the setter will pop it up to the player in position two, that way you could still have a potential middle attack you could still have a, excuse me a left side attack and you have <coughs> excuse me and you have a pipe attack so yeah I lost my voice so sometimes it might get get the better of me but that's okay and you might have a pipe attack so you got three you got the middle you got the left side and you got the pipe now I, my my preference is to be honest is the libero because the libero is the only player that can attack and they can put the ball in a good position and generally it's normally it normally leads to a good offensive point or a good offensive attack. Now, here is something I want you to think about. If a free ball comes over the net or even an attack that's like a high tip 
and the setter is in position one, so the setter's back row, and the setter can control the ball. So there's the big if there. If the setter can control the ball, if the ball is you know, driven and the setter can't control the ball very well, meaning there's not a lot of time for the setter to move to the ball, then they're just trying to pop it up into the middle of the court for your libero to take it or your, you know, your, your player in position too, however you're, you're running it. But that is if the, the setter doesn't have enough time to get you know, under the ball and make a play. But if the setter has enough time to get to the ball, meaning let's say, for example, the free ball was high or the tip was high, where the setter has all the time in the world to get to it. Well, instead of giving it to the libero, what if the setter just set the left side right away? Because <clears throat> the setter has enough time to get to the ball. The setter can probably get their feet under the ball. They don't necessarily have to square to the left side. They can if they have enough time. But what if the setter just pushed that ball to a left side attack and the left side came in and swung? What would that look like? Well, one, it's creative. Two, it will probably catch the defense off guard because they won't be expecting a second attack when the setter is getting the first ball. So middle will probably be late. It'll probably be a one-on-one. -on -one. Um, the, the, so one, it's creative. Two, it'd probably catch the defense off guard. And three, by setting that tone, by showing the team that you can do that, it makes you even harder to read on defense. That's another interesting point. Now, this is going to take practice. This is not very common, and it's in very specific situations. Again, the setter has to have enough time to get behind the ball. I mean, if they're tipping and they tip short and the setter is just digging and trying to get the ball up, right? that's a whole other conversation. If the setter can control the ball on first contact, then absolutely, absolutely they could be able to set the left side. All right, another option too, is if the setter gets the first ball, they can set the pipe. They can set the pipe, meaning the pipe can go and run that pipeline, and they got a great attack. Okay, there's another option. A third option. So the first option was setting the left side. Second option was the setter setting the pipe. Okay. The third option is if the setter sets the ball to the pipe hitter, what if the pipe hitter became your secondary option as a setter? Now that's interesting too. But here, and I'm sure many of you know what I'm talking about because you may have seen this in high-level play, the wow plays. What if the pipe came in to attack as they would, and everyone sees that, right? So remember, the setter controlled the ball. So the setter was able to control the ball and put it up to pipe. And then pipe comes in, and is approaching to make their swing. So they're jumping, make, getting ready to make their swing. But instead of swinging, Pipe decides to set the ball to a pin. Normally, it's going to be left side. Now, imagine how creative that looks. And imagine how off, off guard your defense will be as well. Now, what is the percentage of these plays actually working? It works at the higher level. But it, ha but it has to be practiced, and your left side has to have fantastic ball control. They have to be able to jump in the air, act like they're going up for an attack, and still have the stability and the hands to be able to push the ball into a great location so the left side, <coughs> excuse me, 
So the left side can swing. So this is a situation where it takes a ton of practice. But when it works, it is fantastic. And what I like about this is that, again, if the setter can control the first contact, you have a left side pipe attack who can either either swing or they can set the ball. And that is very dangerous because now your defense is going to make it's going to be a really, really tough time for the defense to read. Let's just, it's just going to be really tough for the defense to read because you have a pipe ball that can do multiple things set as well as swing. All right. Another creative thing you can do is the same thing as that pipe ball setting, but with the front court. So let's say, for example, back to that first example that I gave you, <clears throat> excuse me, where let's say the setter set the ball to the left side. Instead of the left side coming in and swinging, the left side can come in and set the ball to the right side or the pipe. Now, you have to you have to imagine this situation here. So it's kind of the same situation as the pipe attack, except front row. So imagine this. Your setter, who is able to control first contact, sets the ball to the left side. The left side approaches, jumps, but instead of attacking, sets the ball to the opposite. Now the opposite will have a one-on-one. You can almost you can almost guarantee they're gonna have a one-on-one because that middle is 100% releasing to the left side. There's no, there's no way they're not releasing to the left side. So middle release to the left side, left side pops it back to right side, right side has a one-on-one or one-on-nothing. Now, very creative, yes. It's gonna take some practice, yes. Are you gonna run this every time? No. This is a once, you know, once a set, once a, once every two sets, once even a match, you may throw something like this in. But this is why I love volleyball. Volleyball is creative. It's about, you know, that, this is why this podcast is called Volleyball by Design. I, I, I named this podcast on purpose because our game is your design. You design how you want to play the game. And with offense... This is how you be creative. This is how you experiment and have fun with the game. And I'll tell you something, your players will love this because there's nothing more exciting than getting one of these kills. You know, first ball goes to setter, setter sets left side right away, left side gets a kill. That's exciting. Imagine how how exciting your team would be. Setter gets first contact on a control ball, sets it to left side, left side comes in, jumps, instead of hitting it, sets it to right side, right side gets the kill. Imagine how much momentum you're going to gain from that, how much excitement, how much, how much energy that play is going to be. So again, not, you're not going to do this very often, but it's something good to practice. Okay. Now, something that you may do more often that I really thought was really interesting, and I like this, is let's say, for example, we're going back to libero setting. So, you know, the setter gets the first contact, it's controlled, gets it to the libero. What's the, what does the libero normally do? The libero normally goes left side or right side, typically. What about middle? Normally, middle is never involved when the libero gets the first ball. But I'll tell you something. Middle can absolutely be involved. Now, if you're driving, don't close your eyes and picture this, but let's just imagine for a second. The middle is in position four or position three. It doesn't matter. Normally, those that's where it's coming from. It's coming from the left side of the setter. And the ball, the setter digs the ball into the middle of the court. Well, if that libero 
can set the ball, can set a one or ball or a quick or like a ball right on the net line. They're, now, mind you, the libero is back row. I know this. But if that middle can still approach, as you know, still approach pretty quickly. Remember, the middle is still to the left side of the court in position four, position three, <coughs> excuse me, in between there. They're still there. So the middle, this libero now, all the libero has to do is push the ball into the middle of the floor, put a little tempo on it. And if the middle's coming in and running their route they normally do, they can swing at that ball and they can score. And I, this is something that I'm going to be practicing in my gym. But just imagine the middle is tracking where the libero is coming from. The middle is approaching fast. And the tempo is the same tempo, like a 30, 31. The libero is going to put it to the middle, put it in the middle of the floor, and the, and the middle can swing. Now, the great thing about this is that how often do you see this in our game? Almost never. The middle blocker, on the other hand, may be releasing early already to another position, or at the very least will not see this coming. They will not see this attack coming. So this is something that we can play with, and I think it's absolutely vital. And one thing that I would like to also uh, encourage is work on your middles jumping off two feet as well as jumping off one foot. This is an example where if, if middles were jumping off one foot, you know, they can be a lot more open, right? Like, you know how you do a layup, a basketball layup? It's right, left, right, left. So if you're right, left, well, your right hip is pretty much open. You could be open to the libero for all, for all you know when you're coming on different angles. So with the one foot approach, this is pretty good, right? This is really good. And you can make your swing. With two feet approach, you can still do it, right? It's just you're not going to be as open as you would with the one foot. So I encourage you, expand. Now, if you're, if you're coaching the women's game, you're probably already doing this because the, the women love to run that step, really, really like to run that step. And I see, how, how, uh, I see why it's so good at the women's level because normally on the women's team, they don't really run a lot of C-ball. So no problem. I understand that. But with the middle attack, we have to be able to, you know, go off one foot, go off two feet, experiment. And you never know. You may find that your middle attacker really can be more dynamic off one feet, off one foot. And that's something you might want to experiment with. So the, 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 no, the point there is when the ball goes to the libero, don't have the middle, just watch. Now, of course, if the ball is passed well into the backcourt and the libero is taking it, sure, that's another conversation. But if the ball is passed and the libero is anywhere by the attack line, that could be a middle attack. And don't forget, they can set with their hands. So they can push the ball. And liberos generally have good ball control. They can push the ball with their hands by the net line. And that libero can get good contact. And that attacker, that middle attacker can swing. So something to play with. Okay, something to play with. <clears throat> Another thing that I thought was really creative was, you know how when a, when a middle goes in for an attack, okay, Normally, the middle, when they're coming in quick, like let's say, for example, the ball is getting passed to the setter and you see the, the middle coming in quickly on a route. doesn't matter what route they're running on, but they're running pretty quickly. Something that you may want to try doing is instead of jumping for that quick attack or that 30 or that 61 or wherever you are, it actually can't be a 30. It's going to be close to the setter. So wherever you're running close to the setter, when that setter sets the ball, instead of jumping... I want you to I want you to act like you're jumping but stay on the ground. So it's kind of like you're one two up but your feet stay on the ground. And what will happen is if that middle is trying to commit 
or go with you, they may jump. And when they jump, what you're going to do is wait. And as soon as they've hit their peak, then you jump. And then you go after the ball. And you'll have a one on nothing. Now, the setter has to set the ball a little bit higher than normal because there has to be some kind of delay. But this is something that could be useful. Really simple. It's a, it's a tactic. It's a little, a little deception here. But you're coming in really quickly. And instead of jumping right away like you normally would in a quick attack, you just you act like you're jumping. You, you bring your body up, but your feet stay on the ground. That middle blocker is going to jump. As soon as they hit their peak, they're going to be on the way down. Then you jump because that ball is set a little bit higher, more like a meter ball set a little bit higher, and you'll have a one on nothing, or at the very least, a one on one with the blocker on the way down. And that way, you'll still have the advantage. So something to think about, something you could play with, but hey, it might uh, it might actually be worth it to try something like that. Okay, so those are those are some really those are the top ones that I saw that I noticed that I thought were really interesting and really cool to be creative with your offense and figure out ways where you could get you could again not every time of course because you know let, let's not shy away from the fact that the the way the game is played is working such as you know middle attacks coming in fast and out of system balls going to pins yeah that definitely definitely works. So I'm not saying deviate from that. What I'm saying is in the middle of a match where we're trying to get to 75 points or 50 points, you could do this on one or two points. Catch the defense off guard a little bit, shift momentum back to your team, right? There's a time and a place for these plays. So that's something you want to think about. Uh, the last thing I want to mention before I close here is a drill you can use um, that I really like, actually, when it comes to offense. And I'm all about points, like, you know, scoring points for different things and uh, and have and earning big points. So one simple drill you can do to work on offense that I really like is you can have this like kind of like servers versus passers. So let's say so it's six on six. Okay, six on six. One team is going to serve to a receiving team. The receiving team, in order for them to to win one point, they have to win too many points. And the way you win that is this: so you serve, they side out. Okay, they got it one mini point. Then a free ball is going to go into the team that just served. And the team that just sided out has to stop the ball. They have to get that break point. And if they get that point, then they've earned one big point. But only then. Then they've earned one big point. So all, a lot of times is you may side out, but if a free ball goes into that same team, it's very difficult to get that point. Because when, when a team has a free ball, you know, nine out of 10 times they're supposed to score. So getting that one point might be actually very difficult. And then the minute you don't get that one point, then the, then the, the serve-receive goes on the other side, and they, they now are going to get a chance to serve-receive, side out, as well as get that free ball into the other side and stop them. Now, this can get very, very competitive because if they're really fighting for that one point, and it can last a long time. So you don't want to make this 25. You can make this to like 7 or 11. But it can get very competitive. So let me just repeat that in case you missed it. So the receiving team is going to get a serve, they have to side out. If they side out, they get a mini point, and they get the opportunity to play for one big point. And then they have to stop the free ball. So the free ball is going to go into the other team, the team that served. They're going to try to execute. If they can get that point, it's called a break point. If they can get that break point, then they've earned one point, and they have the ability to do that again. Then they serve, receive, and try to get that up and get a two points. If they lose... Then now they're serving to the other team who will now rotate and they'll get the opportunity to try to score two points to get that one big point. 
So really competitive. I really like it because it enables you to do server seed as well as free ball situation all in a pretty quick period. And again, it's working on offense, working on the flow, setter hitter relationship, all that fun stuff. Okay. So that's, um, that's the, that's the game that I like that I'll put there. I don't want to put too much more. That, that, that's one game I'd like you to try. Let me know how it goes. <clears throat> so let's just recap here. So we talked about, so again, episode 102, okay? Listen to that because it talks about the basic stuff with offense and I break it down for you there. Okay, we talked about tipping when the setter takes the first ball and if the setter can control that first ball, meaning they're not diving for it, it's not a hard ball where they're just trying to pop up, it's a ball where they can get their feet behind it and control that ball. Then some things you can try. Setter straight to left side, left side score. You can try setter to pipe, pipe scores. You can try setter to pipe, pipe jumps, and then sets it to left side. Okay, you can try setter sets to left side, left side approaches jumps, but doesn't swing and sets it to right side and score. Okay, you can try, uh, what was the other one? Oh, those are, those are the big ones. Those are the four big ones there. Then you can try libero setting to middle. Okay, setting that quick attack to middle or that 30 getting that ball any, anywhere by the net line, middle still approaches and swings. Okay, again, not, not, not many teams will see that coming. You can try middles jumping off on one foot as well as two feet to see you know how that works for them, whether they like that or not. Okay, and then we talked about the draw. All right, making sure that, you know, one big point, try to get that one big point, one, uh, so serve receive to side out, and then the team that served will then get a free ball, and then the other team has to stop that free ball, and then they'll get one big point, okay? And that's it. So that was the episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, pretty simple. Try to implement some of these new things. Try it. And you know what? Your team's going to love it too. Your team is going to get so excited about trying these new different offensive sets, offensive plays, different way of thinking about the game. They'll get excited. And they'll want to try to get this. And you'll see a, a level of excitement that, you know, you, won't, you, you may not see doing other, other simple things that we normally do like serve and pass. So that's it. Uh, now, if you are interested in learning more about all these offensive techniques and offensive things, I break it down a lot more for you guys inside Digital Volleyball Academy. So you can head on over to digital volleyball, digitalvolleyballacademy.com and get signed up. Um, and if you don't know what Digital Volleyball Academy is, it's my signature mentorship program. I provide amazing mentorship opportunity for coaches all over the world. You get access to my courses, my resources. You get access to basically all of my volleyball knowledge in one great place. You get access to an amazing community of coaches where you get a chance to lean on them, ask questions, get feedback. And then you jump on a coaching call with me twice a month where we engage in uh, live training and Q&A, which is a lot of fun. You know, one thing I always say to coaches, mentorship is key. You know, you could sign up for all the subscriptions in the world and all the videos. You could watch hundreds of videos on all the skills, but really you're only going to incrementally get better, like a little bit. You're not going to become a championship coach by watching videos. I'm sorry. It's just not the way it's going to work. How are you going to become a championship coach and build that successful program is with mentorship, but it's with leaning on other coaches. It's with engaging in live training, jumping on Zoom calls twice a month and having that volleyball conversation, learning from other coaches, getting you yourself, getting that coaching. That's how you're going to skyrocket your growth. And that's how, to be quite honest, that's how I skyrocketed my growth is I learned more with my mentor in three weeks than I did in the previous three years because I was going at it by myself. And our coaches inside DVA are seeing those same results because they're, they're, they're intentional about their training now. They're learning how to build volleyball programs. 
I mean, you're not going to find that on YouTube or find that anywhere else. You, you may find videos on, you might find thousands of videos on how to pass a volleyball, how to hit. But how many videos talk about creating championship programs? What does it look like inside a championship program in a successful volleyball program? Well, anyways, that's what Digital Volleyball Academy teaches you, and it provides that environment for you to learn. So if you're interested, digitalvolleyballacademy.com. And that's it for me. I will see you guys next week on another episode of the Volleyball by Design podcast. Take care. All right, cue the music. Look, are you at the stage you want to be in your volleyball journey? How would it feel to get clarity on your training? And instead of taking months to get better, you could improve in weeks, if not days. When I was a young coach and player, I felt this way all the time. The truth is, after I got some great advice on how to be efficient, my learning curve grew exponentially. Let me show you how to be more efficient and effective in this game. I invite you to check out CoachBTraining.com for more resources that you can use to take your game to the next level. I look forward to helping you reach your volleyball goals.